Anesthesia Deconstructed is supported by National University's CRNA program. National University's CRNA program is one of the nation's top programs for CRNAs and dedicated to making you a successful CRNA. The program doesn't just prepare you for entry-level practice. National focuses on making you a full-service provider and gives you insight into what is actually happening in the industry. With connections to faculty with backgrounds in advanced clinical practice, academics, research, and anesthesia services management. Learn more at nu.edu. Welcome to Anesthesia Deconstructed. Science, politics, realities. Listen in as medical professionals join industry experts, Dr. Mike McKinnon and Dr. Joseph Rodriguez to discuss the latest science and medical advancements, the effects of our political climate, and the reality of today's changing healthcare environment. Let's get started with your hosts, Dr. Mike McKinnon and Dr. Joseph Rodriguez. Hello, everybody. This is Mike McKinnon. I'd like to welcome everyone to the podcast. We've got uh, Miss Lee Austin, a CRNA who is a former anesthesiologist assistant, has worked all kinds of practice models, currently a CRNA in Hawaii, has worked independent, autonomous practice, you name it, since she's been a CRNA. Welcome to the podcast, Lee. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself today, how long you've been a CRNA, and what stage have you worked in? Okay, I've been a CRNA since 1999. Um, I started in Cleveland, the Cleveland Clinic. Amazing, amazing place. Um, about a year after I graduated, I started doing, actually right away, I started doing um, locums in order to pay my student loans off. That was my goal. And I thought I would go back to Cleveland, but once you discover life outside Ohio, I don't know, you tend not to go back. <laughs> So I did locum for like six years from there. I went to, I had about 30 state licenses at one time, but um, I went oh, to, wow. yeah, because you had to get your license ahead, you know, if you wanted to keep moving around. So I went to a little place in Virginia first, a couple places there, and then I went to South Carolina, a few places there. Um, and then I just started moving west um, since it was. You know, just the opportunities were so great. So I went to Arizona, New Mexico, worked on several Indian reservations, and then ended up in California and worked at several different uh, places there. And now I've been in Hawaii six years now, just doing and just doing endoscopy. Yeah, <laughs> going. Sort of from the Cleveland Clinic to endoscopy, I've done everything in between. Well, yeah, it's just a, a broad breadth, I think, of experience and seeing, you know, different different hospitals, the way people do different things. And, you know, it, it only helps really, I think, build your clinical acumen when you go all over the place. Oh, yeah. So what what led you initially um, to become an anesthesiologist assistant? Were you previously uh, an RN before that or... Or did you become an RN afterward in your plan to go to CRNA school? Um, well, I, I had a bachelor's in science and uh, going for my master's. I wanted to go to med school and you know that didn't really work out. So I met somebody who was a CRNA. So I thought, oh, that sounds awesome. So, But then I had to go to nursing school. So I did go to nursing school. And while I was in nursing school, in order to go to CRNA school, one of my very good friends was in AA school at the hospital 
um, the right next door to the Cleveland Clinic, which is University Hospital. And it sounded awesome because I had a science background already, and the AA program went through the medical school. It was, you know, heavily on the science side, and at that time, I thought that was wonderful. The real motivation, though, was he said, hey, you don't have to work a couple years in ICU and all that, and you can make a lot of money right away, because at that time, I was really in debt with student loans, and turned out that the university hospital was paying, like, almost 50% more than the Cleveland Clinic was. Wow. And they hired mostly AAs. And it just, I don't know, I just got thought, well, that sounds like a good route. Two years I can be out and making good money. So, and and I didn't know the difference at that time, really. Yeah, I didn't really know the difference. He said, we practice just like CRNAs. And I'm a nurse already. So I thought, well, I am a nurse. And, it, you know, I kind of thought it would be the same thing. And it was, yeah, a shorter route. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, let's be honest. If you, if you were to ask anyone on the street what the difference was, they wouldn't know either. I mean, it, you know, people wouldn't really know generally because the OR is such a hidden place in the hospital. You know about the difference between all the different professions that work there. Yeah, I think that's pretty typical. And then after you, uh, did you ever end up working as an RN in the ICU? Then yeah, I was a nurse only for about well two years while I was in AA school, you know, I was on a kind of a step down unit. It was a lot of general stuff, but we did, um, kidney pancreas transplant patients, liver transplant patients, stuff like that. So I got a lot of great experience. So it it sounds like though, that that was a lot of experience with pretty sick patients that were surgical as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, compared to people, I'm sure people that worked in an ICU would say it wasn't as critical, I'm sure. But, and there was probably things I was lacking, you know, but yeah, it didn't, didn't seem to affect me because in AA school, I was so far ahead of all the AAs who didn't have any medical experience. <laughs> they didn't have never started an IV or anything. So right. I felt like, oh, I, I'm well prepared for this. <laughs> Well, yeah, I would imagine that just just that nursing, just even just the nursing school itself gave you quite a leg up when you walked into the, you know, to the program where you got a lot of people, like you said, you know, they didn't know what an IV was prior to the day they started AA school. And here you are placing them for, you know, two years while you're there. So what did you think um, your AA program was like? Did you guys learn, did you do regional in there um, or any kind of, did they talk about independence at all? and? And uh, when did you end up graduating from that program? Um, I graduated from there in 90 or 97. Um, they did never talk about independent practice. No way, for sure. I mean, I got a lot of great experience. The schooling was great because, like I said, it was through the Case Western Medical School. And I loved all the, the science heavy on the science stuff. And that was great. Uh, the clinicals were good, but I saw quickly because our hospital, university hospital, is pretty much half CRNA, half AA. And I, I realized quickly that there was a difference. So I actually started introducing myself as, I couldn't say I'm a nurse anesthetist, but I said, I'm an anesthesia nurse because I was a nurse. You know? <laughs> That's so true. It sounds silly that I was actually concerned about my how people saw me. Which, you know. But anyways, I did recognize quickly that we did not have that kind of independence at all. And did you see even then, did you went like when you were in AA school and then worked as an AA, did you see a difference between how the CRNAs were working versus the AAs or how they were treated? Was there 
Was there a lot of difference there? I, well, I more in the attitude. This hospital was so um, heavily supervised. Even the CRNA rooms, we were like one to one, pretty much. That's pretty restrictive. With every room or one to two. It was very restrictive. But there's definitely a difference in kind of their attitude and demeanor and confidence. And I felt like the way the anesthesiologists treated them was that they knew that they had more confidence because they could be independent. I definitely could feel that, but I wouldn't say we were actually treated that differently maybe in our assignments. and stuff. Right. Within that particular practice, because you, as you said, it was restrictive to begin with. Huh? I, yeah. But my first job um, as an AA, I went to Colorado and it just happened to be this tiny little practice that was very independent. There was three anesthesiologists. Uh, the chief anesthetist was an AA. Um, there was another AA and then two CRNAs. And everybody functioned the same. We did hearts and had lots of independence there. But So I actually was encouraged thinking, oh, this is great. It's just the same. But it turned out that was the only place, at least that I knew of at that time, that was like that. Did you work at other places as an AA besides that one? No, I worked at the university hospital. Uh, while I was in CRNA school, um, which again was you know pretty restrictive, and I did the one job in Colorado as an AA. Right, and then did you feel throughout your program that there was any sort of suggestion in the AA program that best safety was to have a physician anesthesiologist there all the time? For sure, and that AAs and CRAs were equal in every way. For sure. Yeah, they didn't think anybody should be independent from that. You know, they definitely didn't think either one of us were qualified to do anesthesia without them, even though they sat in the lounge the whole time. They come in, put the patient to sleep, push all of our drugs, and go sit in the lounge. Right. <laughs> you know, as an RN before, you know, and, and during the training, uh, AA training program, I know we touched on this a little bit. How did you feel that nursing experience was helpful and set you apart within your AA program? Oh, I mean, it was huge in, you know, just all the stuff that I, you know, got to experience in patient care, for one thing. That was the biggest thing. Every, All the other people in my class were, um, you know, just had a bachelor's in science or, or whatever, and they didn't, had no patient care at all. Um, I felt very comfortable around patients already, and of course I knew, you know, a lot of the medications and PCLS and all that kind of stuff. I definitely had a big advantage and, you know, I think I could impart knowledge to people that way, which made me feel good. A lot of this stuff wasn't really new to you. The diseases, the testing, the diagnosis, the treatments, all all something you had learned previously and then experienced with. I mean, a lot of it. I was, all, I was a new nurse, so, you know, looking back, I didn't know that much either way, but Still, I knew more than people who had never worked as a, in a medical field. So what what then eventually made you decide you wanted to become a CRNA? Like what made you decide to put the effort in? I mean, it's a whole other program um, to become a CRNA. What, what brought you down that road? Well, like I say, I went my first job to Colorado, which is great. I was incredibly encouraged. Um, I went back to Cleveland because my mom wasn't doing well health-wise. So I thought I should go back and when I went back, that's the only place I could work was the university hospital. And it was such a toxic environment. I was just miserable um, with the supervision. And if you just felt like you were being degraded 
all the time. I mean, you couldn't put an epidural in without somebody standing right next to you and, and pushing in the space for you and saying, yeah, go right there. And, you know, it was just, it was not what I what I envisioned for my life. And my really good friend, um, Bridget Oswald, she had was a year into the CRNA program. And she said, Lee, why don't you just see if we can convert, you know, go through the program here. And so we can, you know, you can be independent and do what you want to do. I mean, I have that kind of mindset, you know. And so, yeah, I was just very lucky that I went and talked to the program director there. And I, I just knew right away I could not stay in this environment any longer. And at that time, I really thought I wanted to stay in Ohio. And it, to my knowledge, the only other places I could work would be Atlanta or Minnesota. Or that, you know, that I just didn't think there were that many options. I was starting to feel pretty trapped and like, oh my God, what have I done here? You know, I just spent another hundred grand and I'm not happy, you know? So yeah, I, I was only did that for a year at the university hospital and then I got into the CRNA program right away. Thankfully, very lucky. And yeah, I've been super, super happy ever since. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, if, if you've got a focus on being an expert, and working, you know, working to the full extent of your license, you're basically working independently, which you've done. It's, it would be difficult, I think, for sure to be an AA, uh, because I think yeah. no matter where you go, you're going to constantly struggle, you know, with that. Defend yourself. <laughs> do you feel like the people, other people in your class felt the same way as you, or do you think because they, they had a different mindset coming into this, that they were fine with that role? Right, because they didn't have an option unless they wanted to go to nursing school. So that's right. I think they were fine with that role. Although some of my friends, like Rudy, who got me into it, an AA, um, since went out and actually became the head anesthetist. I think he still is out of the big trauma place in Washington D.C. And he's awesome, you know. And I think once if you get in the right environment, and I mean, I don't know exactly what his practice is like, but he seems pretty fulfilled. He, super smart and i think if you get in the right environment after a while you know you got to pay a lot of dues um i think you probably can be fulfilled but yeah just definitely wasn't for me i mean i didn't even really want to to be honest i'm kind of embarrassed now i didn't even want to be a nurse i'm just like i just had this mindset i i wanted to go to med school but it didn't work out so i kind of did nursing as a, a fallback but when i went through nursing school man i learned so much I, I kind of put all the missing pieces together and then i really really loved being a nurse and i completely respect anesthesiologists i'm not trying to take anything from them at all but i did know that i was capable and wanted to do so much more than i could do as an aa Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this is the one section truly of medicine where nursing and medicine 100% overlap. There's nothing that they do that we can't do and we can both work independently and the outcomes are the same. I mean, you literally kind of fell into the one place where that, that really happens in all of nursing. And so that gives you kind of a, I mean, it, it gives you the fulfillment that you were looking for ultimately. Mm-hmm. Sounds like. Totally. So, so when you look, you know, when you went into the CRNA program, finished the CRNA program, what would you say the differences were between the AA and the CRNA program? Oh, it was night and day. I mean, for one thing, the, well, the anesthesiologist 
I think, made it a lot different. But, you know, whereas the whole mentality at the University Hospital PAA was just to tell you what to do, whereas I go to the Cleveland Clinic and they expect you to be pretty independent, you know. So they treated me completely different right off the bat. And then the people that were training me, the CRNAs, expected me to be very independent. And it was the most incredible training. And the great thing was I had already worked for two years now as an AA, so I I already knew how to do a lot of stuff. I wasn't great at central lines yet and stuff like that because I didn't didn't have those kind of opportunities. But so I got just so much amazing experience and just, you know, they just expected me to know more and they taught me so much, whereas the AA program was kind of like, this is what we want you to do. Well, why am I doing that? Well, you don't really need to know that. Just do what I tell you to do type of thing. Whereas in the CRNA program, it was the opposite. It was like, why are you doing that? Tell me why you're doing that. Well, you know, and just really get into the really intricate parts of, uh, you know, understanding and starting that independent thinking of, well, okay, if I'm by myself, what would I do? It was kind of always that more mindset, which I really, really love. The answer wasn't called the physician anesthesiologist. It was, you should know. Right. Right. And that's the difference, right? So if if I, if I summed it up in this way, would you say the difference was, is one, one training program was kind of teaching you maybe a protocolized or, uh, or, you know, a, um, a list of the way to do something without the underpinnings and the other program was teaching you the whys. Yes. And the expectation was that different. And they and they had confidence in you to do stuff. Here, you can do this. Come on, like you know. Uh, yeah, don't back they, away. Get they up there. Encourage <laughs> you, yeah. And I loved all the research that the that went on at the uh, Cleveland Clinic. So you're always learning new stuff, and they're including you in that. Like they want you to learn and understand, which was just awesome for me. I loved it. Yeah, it sounds it sounds very much like what I've heard from many other AAs when I talk to them. Um, you know, that they they get the feeling that they're they're almost trapped into this this assistant role. I mean, you know, it's yeah. theoretically it's right in the title, I guess, but you know, you expect to do more and they feel like the answer is to ask the physician anesthesiologist or to call the physician anesthesiologist, you know, if anything changes from the plan. And and that can happen to CRNAs too if they're in a practice that's super restrictive, clearly, but we have the opportunity to get away from that. And I think that they don't. That's the big thing. Yeah. And if you never get away from it, you'll always be trapped. It's that mindset from the beginning, I think, uh, that really kind of makes a big difference. Like I do think you can catch up to a point, but why spend 10 years trying to get confidence and that you can be independent and get that mindset when you can be trained to do that right away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference. And there's, there's also the side of, you know, the clinical training site opportunities. I mean, for instance, I'm the assistant program director at one uh, CRNA program and 80% of our clinical sites are CRNA only independent and autonomous clinical sites. So, you know, when we, yeah, when we get the, we call them residents, when we get these residents to our program, they're just expected to do it. There's no like, Oh, I don't want to do that. There's no backing away from the table. There's no, you know, the, the, the goal here is to teach you to be independent. What you decide to do when you graduate is up to you. 
you know, people are going to make decisions based upon their family situation, you know, where they need to work because of that, or maybe where they want to live or because of the schools for their kids. I get all that. That makes total sense. But I think the goal is at the end of a program, the difference with, with an AA program versus a CRNA program is that we teach them to go out there and do it independently. And so what they choose to do afterward, they graduate capable. And that's, I think that's huge. It's huge. You know, it makes a big difference. Yeah, because when you're when you are when I was in places on my own, like I'm the only person. So you just have to, instead of thinking I need to call somebody, you just start thinking, okay, I, my training was amazing. I know what to do. You just got to change your mindset. Like if I were a doc and I'm on my own, what would I do? Well, if I don't know this disease, I'll look it up. I'll you know do what I need to do to be prepared for this case i you know once you know there's no option to ask anybody for help and you get in that mindset which is what the crna training i think trains you in that mindset which is so valuable right it is it is valuable and 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 look let's be honest if you're a physician anesthesiologist working in a in a setting where you're by yourself and you're not sure of the disease you're going to look it up too i mean that's that's part of that process and nobody can know everything Ultimately, when when you're looking at at that goal to be independent and autonomous, the training has to reflect that. And there's two pathways to that, right? There's the physician anesthesiologist route and the CRNA route at the at the bottom in the bottom line. If you looking back, would would you have chosen not to go to AA school and just gone to CRNA school, knowing what you know now, and bypass that period, or how how do you look back at that today? Um, I get, I mean, in one side, yes, it would have saved me a lot of money and time and all that, but I'm kind of a slow learner, so it's kind of good that I went through it twice, you know? I mean, it sounds silly, but it's just like in my undergrad, I had so much biology, physiology, you know, did all the stuff except for the thesis for my master's in physiology so I had all that but when I went to nursing school it still filled in so many gaps for me it's like I really needed the so the training that I got through the AA uh, the the science part was great I really love that and I think that really helped me in the CRNA field going forward but I mean yeah if I had it to do over again I, I probably would have not done the AA thing but I, I mean, I got a lot of great experience. Right. Well, then it. you'd get the independent yeah. choice. And it, and it really, maybe it was good because it helped me really appreciate the independence and everything, you know, that I felt even That's more grateful yeah. that, wow, I'm so lucky. And, and I had more compassion and compassion over my friends, you know, because if you don't ever have that experience, like if you just go, some of my friends, CRNA friends would get frustrated if a doc was telling them what to do or whatever. And I said, you know, if you just went right to med school and you were never a nurse, your perspective might be that I'm, I'm afraid to trust a nurse. You know, if that, if I had just gone right to med school, I would think, why would I trust a nurse? Cause I didn't have that perspective. So now I do. So I said, you got to let them, you know, remember that they might not have the perspective. They need to get time to trust us, you know? And the same thing, if I wouldn't have gone through the AA program, I would have, you know, maybe had a, a bad attitude toward them. Like, who in the heck are these people? But I did go through it, and I know a lot of, you know, AAs, and they're smart, 
awesome people who also want to give patient care. You know, that was just the only option they knew to go through it. So I'm glad I have that perspective. You know, I think everything we go through helps us have more perspective, which is valuable. And so that kind of brings us to the idea of this Texas Christian University bridge program. And so, you know, the in Texas, Texas Christian University created this bridge program for AAs to become CRNAs. You kind of missed out on that. <laughs> but <laughs> many years later. <laughs> yeah, many I years know. Later. I'm like, and, and I could have a doctorate. Graduate with a doctorate. So awesome. And yeah. the benefit, I think, of this bridge program is that they actually take into account the AA training. So it's not like they'd have to do what you did, which was start from, you know, beginning again. They get the opportunity to get some credit for all of the the training and work and clinical time that they did. And that shortens the CRNA program significantly from what it would be for the average person going as long as they pass the, the exams, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you think of that? I think it's awesome because I actually got really lucky too. So when I started the CRNA program at the Cleveland Clinic, they didn't make me take any of my science coursework because I already had all that from the med school. And I was so thankful for that. I thought to oh, myself, yeah. I wish some of my friends could do yeah. this, but of course they'd still have to go to nursing school. So yeah, if you can shorten that down, I think right. that's so awesome. I think you had an especially unique experience that you got that kind of given across the board, the the science classes, because since then, I don't think that would have happened until this new bridge program. I think, you know, they would have, you know, you were kind of already in RN too. So you're really right. in a very special position because you already had, you had to become an RN. And most of these AAs that might choose to go to the Texas Christian bridge program are, are not RNs already. So they have to work through that process as well and then take the CCRN exam and once they pass that, then they start the actual doctorate portion of the uh, of the CRNA program. Of course, that's different as well, right? The doctorate versus the master's portion of the program makes a huge difference, I think, as far as workload. So there's more more to do. Yeah, that's so great. Because, yeah, I had to go even for another three years to go to nursing school. Like I said, I'm a slow learner. So I was in, in school like literally 11 or 12 years just to be a CRNA. <laughs> You took the long way around, but hey, you got there eventually, right? <laughs> right, right. I think that program is one. Oh, yeah, I think it's great too. I mean, I think it, it there. I think uh, there's a ton of AAs, and I've talked to them online that have a similar feeling of view as you. You know, they they got in. They weren't nurses, but they got into their AA program. They saw it as a a quick transition to, you know, making more money than they've ever made in their lives, right? They saw that perspective. And then once they got in there, they kind of felt, they felt like they were being hampered to one degree or another because for the same reason you felt in that restrictive practice. And they didn't get to know that though, until they saw other CR, they saw CRNAs working that, that were working independently on the side and they couldn't do that. Or they were, they left that job and went to an independent practice job where a, they made more money, had more responsibility and got to do everything in full scope of practice. And they don't get that option. I, I mean, I can see if you have that mindset of, I want to be really good at what I want, what I do. And I want to work to the fullest scope. I want to be independent and autonomous that it would be disheartening. Like you had mentioned to be stuck in a place where you can't. And so I imagine there's a number of them. I know there's a lot of them that are interested in this bridge program. I'm sure there's some stigma towards that too, but still it's an option to get that end goal, which is exactly what you did. You know, ultimately. It's an amazing option. Yeah. Thank you for whoever created. Yeah. That was 
Kay Sanders and Robin Ward are the two people who are responsible for creating that program. Uh, and, uh, you know, Kay Sanders was the program director now, Robin. And really it, <clears throat> the reason that program was born was out of interest from AAs in Texas, you know, and, and they wanted to find a way to do it. But, you know, like you, they were thinking, man, that's a lot more time and a lot more money. But I did learn stuff in my AA program. Shouldn't I get some credit for that? And the answer clearly is yes, right? You know, there should be credit for that. And so it does shorten the program and the cost for them, uh, you know, to a significant degree, which I think is huge. So when you look, when you look back on your, on your experience, one foot in each world, right? You, you've been in both worlds. What advice would you have for those AAs that are out there considering the bridge program? Well, hundred percent, I would say, do the bridge program. <laughs> no, not, no hesitation on that. No hesitation. Yeah, created a fulfillment within your career that you weren't getting previous. Right, right. Oh, it's so worth it. Gosh, to me, I'm feel like I'm so lucky. It's been the most fulfilling career. Not regretted one second of it. Have any of have any of the people, any of the A's that you're friends with, con, you know, considered going back and doing a CRNA program? Have they ever talked about that kind of thing to you since you had done it? All my friends are old like me. They're about to retire. They're not, <laughs> They're not gonna, <laughs> but back then they weren't. <laughs> I oh, I I bet for sure they would have all considered it back then. You know, because like me, as soon as we all got into the university hospital, you feel the difference. You feel the tension, and you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure a good amount of them would do it. You know, Lee, this has been excellent to learn about that whole process you went through. And I think there's, I, I think there's, you know, there's always animosity, right? Because of the politics of anesthesia between physician anesthesiologists, you know, CRNAs and AAs, and there's all this, you know, interpolitical fighting. But the bottom line is, I think you know, from talking to you, they can get, AAs can understand the benefits of what you did because they hear from someone who actually went through both sides. It's difficult to hear from, you know, a CRNA could say it all day, but if you've never gotten to see both those things as an AA, then you feel like, well, yeah, but you're going to say that anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everyone defends their position, right? <laughs> so I think hearing from you though, will give that extra push to a lot of those AAs out there that are considering it, but think, well, yeah, but is it really worth it? Because it's a lot of money and time. So it's a big consideration for anybody. But, you know, the bottom line is, is I think there's a, there's a massive economic, you know, push on healthcare to expand access to care in the most cost-effective manner. And the people who do that best are CRNAs. That's the bottom line. Cause you can work independently. I I agree. And so, you know, in the future, more opportunity. And I think I've seen it every year in my career, 15 years of my career, honestly, every year, more opportunity exists for CRNAs. And I think in the AA world, those opportunities are getting less just because of money and access. You know, we're, I mean, I work in a rural area, you've worked in rural areas, but that's not an option, but that's Mm -hmm. where they need people. You know, I mean, in Phoenix here, CRNAs are doing hearts independently in their own TEEs. And, uh, you know, those things are changing rapidly. And you said you worked in Phoenix and it wasn't that long ago when I went to CRNA school that in Phoenix, the only places a CRNA could work was a plastic surgery office at the VA or Indian Health Services and County Hospital. And today 
four of the larger hospitals are are all CRNA working in autonomous models. Wow. Yeah, and it's rapidly changing. That's amazing. One of the biggest groups in the valley is a CRNA owned group. I mean, that's just such a huge shift. And that shift is happening. Yeah, that shift is happening because the evidence shows we're just as safe and we're willing to do the work and we're capable of doing the work at the same high safety level as our physician anesthesiologist colleagues. And I think more and more of that are coming and we're going to see more and more collaborative practices with physician anesthesiologists where everyone's doing their own cases. But AAs are going to get stuck, I think, in that, in that process because they can't do that. Right. You know? Right. And like you said, if you're not trained to work independently and do those things and have that mindset, it's going to be a struggle to do it. Right. You really need that, that focus in your clinical and the training. And like, like, like our preceptors and your preceptor said to you, no, no, you're going to do that. You can do it. And we're going to teach you. And why? Why? And not right? only that, to me, and it goes back to, you know, would you spend the money and the time? I mean, if you're thinking about a career for 25 years or whatever, and that's a long time, and I want to be passionate about what I'm doing. And it when you right. start... If you tell the AAs, when you get a taste of being on your own, uh, it ignites that passion so much. And you really start, to me, I started it connecting does. with patients even so much more. Because as an AA, you, you introduce yourself, you connect with them, and you, may, you, know, you think you make a connection. And then the doc walks in and goes, I'm the anesthesiologist, and shakes like, and you just kind of get pushed aside. And it kind of deflates you, you know, whereas when you... Yeah, so you get a taste of really connecting with patients and that passion to me, it is so worth, I don't care how much money it costs, you know, I, I, yeah. You can't put a price tag on that. No, happiness. you can't, not to me. That's true. And I think there's another, just you mentioning that reminded me, you know, that I think there's another aspect to this and it's the respect you gain from the people around you. You know, when, if you're working as, as there's someone always there, you know, controlling every move, being restrictive, and basically you appear as someone who's not making any decisions. Right. And the difference between that and someone like, you know, where I work, where it's totally independent, the surgeons respect you in a very different way. Mm-hmm. The, all the nurses and all the staff respect you in a very different way. The hospital administration sees you in a very different way. And the reason why is because you're doing the job and without you, no one would be. Mm-hmm. And there is, there's something really empowering about anesthesia, taking care of someone, and at the end in the pack, you them waking up and saying those words that every person who does anesthesia loves to hear. Thank you. Are we going to start yet? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> wow, thank you. you know yeah, that, I love when they grab your hand yeah. and just say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And are are we done already? You know what I mean? And that, that is a statement of you just did a great job. And I think you get so much out of that when it's all you, you know, as opposed to someone else who takes credit for it maybe, or has a very major involvement in it and you don't get to make decisions or do the block or whatever. And, you know, so you, you lose some of that, that amazing feeling when you don't, perform the whole thing yourself. And there is definitely something about it. It is magical. It is magical. Um, when, when, when you work independent and, and have that feeling of, man, I just, I just did that for that patient and look how happy they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't put a price tag on it. I mean, we go, go, go into it cause you know, hopefully cause we're passionate about patient care and we shouldn't need to necessarily be thanked, but let's be honest. It's like you do mission work 
you, if you ever do missions, you feel like, I felt like I got so much more out of it than I gave just because when somebody holds your hand and says, thank you, like sincerely, oh my God, my heart just explodes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did, I did a mission trip in Colombia, and, um, you know, you work, you work like a dog on a mission trip, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem nearly as hard of work. Yeah. As it, as it would be working for money at your job, because the response from those patients and knowing that they would never have gotten this otherwise, and it changes their lives. I mean, that's just such a feeling. We did cleft lip and palate repairs, and in Colombia, that's life changing. And so, I, you know, an, another opportunity for CRNAs and physician anesthesiologists that most AAs probably will never get the opportunity to do, and that's mission trips because you have to work independently. And um, yeah, that's been phenomenal. We send four of our residents a year on mission trips to Kenya. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Oh, what a great Yeah, so they get the opportunity to do that. That's great. Sounds like you're an awesome director. I, it's been fun. Yeah. I love, I love teaching and I love doing, so I do both. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun to work and it's fun to watch people grow. Oh, that's great. Looking back at this whole thing, how would you sum everything up? What would you say your advice, um, to RNs thinking about CRNA school, you know, people looking into a future career in anesthesia, what would your advice be to them? Stay passionate. <laughs> Just stay passionate and keep, yeah, that's, that's my advice. Do what do what makes you happy. Stay passionate. Don't uh, you know? Just remember who we all are. You know, I, to me, it doesn't really matter so much the initials after your name. If you want to um, give good patient care, get in that mindset, and then that's naturally going to take you through the CRNA, you know, route. Just just because of how you can practice. Well, this has been great. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I think we had a great conversation and I think, oh, thank you. Yeah, so much. I think the listeners will, will love to hear about it because it's a perspective that's pretty rare, you know, to, to get to talk to someone who's been an AA and then becomes a CRNA and looks back and kind of sees the bigger picture of what those differences were for your career. I don't think a lot of people, you know, what, maybe there's a few hundred people out there that even have had that experience. So, you know, I think it's huge to hear about it. So we really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. And the program sounds really, really great. Again, thank everybody for doing that. And I hope lots of AAs will take advantage of that. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be great for them. I I think there's a lot of interest. So heading forward, hopefully we see a lot more uh, Lee Austins (laughs) coming out of the Texas (laughs) Christian University program. Thanks so much, Lee. That's all for this episode of Anesthesia Deconstructed. For more information based on today's discussions, be sure to visit us at anesthesia-deconstructed.com. You'll also gain access to our blogs, editorials, and more resources to keep you updated on the science, politics, and realities of today's medical industry. That's anesthesia-deconstructed.com.